You're going to love this. Just love it. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 91.7 FM on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, KYAQ, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, the iTunes on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, Pacifica Affiliates, Unknown but Much Beloved, and of course, five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Glad you could join us. For another action-packed, thrilling adventure of the broadcast uh, today, the stuff behind the headlines that you may not have heard, the stories behind the stories that uh, many of the stories you've been hearing about in the mainstream media, but we'll tell you a few items about what's really going on behind them. Some of the background, some of the context, and some of the, frankly, facts that you may not have heard uh, and that will make you smarter and will make all of your wingnut friends uh, decide that you are crazy and walk away from you because, you know, Fox News didn't tell them about this. So it must not be true. Uh, lots of stuff to cover today. We ha- we'll see if we can fit it into one hour. Otherwise, we will invoke our uh, our contractual privilege of extending to a second hour. We'll just let the affiliates know right now <laughs> that we. What, what, what are you laughing about? What, are you, <laughs> what is this what, second hour what, of which you speak? It's a secret uh, contractual obligation that the, uh, the affiliates must run us for two hours whenever I say so. Whenever you feel like yeah. it. Yeah. Okie dokie. Okay. Well, for any of the affiliates who are listening out there, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to run a second hour that you know of. Uh, before we get to before we get to L- our, our big show today, uh, one correction: we like to put our corrections up front. And Desi Doyen, you'll be happy to know this is not a correction that involves you. Oh, goody! It's nothing you did wrong. So it's not my fault. No, you have the rest of the show to screw up, though. So get ready. All but right, I'm working until, on it. I know you are. Until then, however, oh, that's our producer, Desi Doyen, my co-host on the Green News Report. Oh, we do have. I hope we can get to. We've got a complaint about the Green News Report, Desi. Oh, good. That I mentioned earlier in the week. Uh, been trying to get to it all week. Well, hopefully, we'll get to it today. I await it with bated breath. I know you do. All right, um, so a correction that we like to put our corrections up front rather than bury them on uh, page 73 like the New York Times. Uh, this uh, actually comes from our guest on yesterday's show, Dave Schultz, uh, a professor from uh, law professor from Hamline University up in Minnesota. We were talking about 
uh, campaign finance reform and things that can be done right away to, uh, you know, that don't rely on a, a constitutional amendment, that don't rely on our broken Congress to be able to, uh, to, to act, uh, things that can be done by the executive branch right away. Um, it's a very interesting show, by the way. I'll recommend you go uh, go back to bradblog.com. You can download the whole thing uh, over or over at iTunes, where, by the way, when you stop there, give us a good review. It helps other people find our show as well. All right. So anyway, uh, Dave Schultz writes to say uh, that he misspoke during our conversation on, on one small point. I had asked him about... Uh, the ban on contributions, uh, political contributions by federal contractors, um, and that that was upheld this week by an 11 to 0 decision at the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. That's big news because there had been a challenge saying, hey, you know what? Free speech. I don't care if I get uh, millions and billions of dollars from the federal government. I can uh, give money to whatever politicians I want. Which, you know, allows you to essentially, uh, you know, pay to play, as they call it. Give uh, contributions to your politicians. They get elected. And then what do you know? They give you contracts. So that's what this uh, statute was meant to do. And I had asked the professor about that statute and uh, where it came from, the one that was being challenged and uh, has now been upheld by the court. Uh, And he said that it was in response to a presidential executive order, that particular Um, a ban on federal contractors giving to politicians. In fact, the specific challenge in that case was to a law that was passed by Congress back in the 1940s during the FDR era. So uh, a a small point, but uh, Dave Schultz wanted to clear it up, and I'm happy to do that. So we uh, make sure that you only get the truth and nothing but the truth on the broadcast. We apologize for that misleading error on yesterday's program. Okay. Um, a historic day today uh, in uh, South Carolina. The Confederate flag has now been removed from a flagpole on the grounds of the South Carolina State House where it had had a presence for 54 years. That's right. It had not been uh, hanging up there since the Civil War. It had only been put up in 1961, and I will explain why in a moment. But uh, the rebel banner was taken down on Friday morning by a highway patrol honor guard in a ceremony attended by thousands who cheered at the removal, many yelling USA, USA, and uh, singing hey, 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 goodbye. A van will take the flag to a nearby museum where it will be housed And, of course, uh, this comes after the June 17 massacre of nine black parishioners at a Charleston church. The white man uh, charged uh, with the crime uh, say uh, apparently this was done as a racially motivated killing. And those shootings reignited calls to remove the Confederate symbol across the country. Well, it has at least for now been removed from the uh, South Carolina State House. There's much more to come on that and a big fight in Congress about that Confederate flag. And we've got more information on that coming up in a moment. But I want to just close a certain loop here on uh, the, the South Carolina flag. It was, in fact, as I mentioned, raised in 1961. It was raised as an insult. It was raised in response 
to the fight over segregation. It was an insult to nine black protesters back in 1961. As Travis Geddes uh, tells us in this story over at Raw Story today, asking, has history come full circle? Well, maybe it has. Uh, Just weeks before the Confederate battle flag was first hoisted, back in 1961, 10 black students from Friendship Junior College were arrested, and uh, this was January of 1961, and convicted the following day after they refused to leave an all-white lunch counter in Rock Hill. Now, nine of those students, they became known as the Friendship Nine. They revolutionized the civil rights movement by refusing bail in that case. They didn't take uh, bail. They said, no, we're going to stay in jail. Now, Taylor Branch, the Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author of Parting the Water, said that the obvious advantage of jail no bail was that it reversed the financial burden of protest, costing the demonstrators no cash for the bail while obligating the white authorities at the time to pay for jail space and food. Of course, the students were were then locked up. They spent 30 days doing hard labor at the York County Prison Farm back in 1961. But other demonstrators followed their example at the at white only businesses throughout the South. Move the clock forward now to just this year, just this year, 2015, January 28, 2015. A York County judge finally tossed out the trespassing convictions against those nine students. It took uh, how many years later? So, uh, where are we? Fifty-four, 54 years. years later. Yeah, wow. for those for that to be uh, tossed out, they were convicted of trespassing for trying to have lunch at the counter, and it was in response to that incident that the flag was uh, hoisted uh, at the uh, at the South Carolina Capitol, the one that has just come down today. Now, when the uh, the judge who just in January of this year uh, tossed out those convictions for those nine, well, former students, because it was 54 years ago, uh, eight of those uh, men are still living. Uh, And the judge said they should never have been charged in the first place. Judge John C. Hayes, the third, said we cannot rewrite history, but we can write history. He said, as to the Friendship Nine, uh, now is the time and opportunity to do so. Now is the time to recognize that justice is not temporal, but is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That was January of this year. Nearly five months later, on June 17, the white supremacist murdered nine black worshipers after a Bible study at the historic uh, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston. And, of course, that gunman, Dylan Roth, displayed a Confederate flag license plate on his getaway car, posed for numerous photos holding the same battle flag that flew above the State House grounds as his victims' funeral processions passed over the past several weeks. The South Carolina House finally voted 94 to 20 uh, about 1 a.m. on Thursday after 13 hours of debate and approved the bill that finally called for the flag to be taken down 54 years after it was raised during the civil rights movement in response to the Friendship Nine. And it uh, comes down today in response to the murdered nine 
at the AME Church in uh, Charleston. Uh, fascinating backstory there that uh, I hadn't known about. So uh, my thanks to uh, to uh, Travis Geddes for bringing that to us over at Raw Story. Uh, in the meantime, we've got uh, some more backstory and more on the flag in a moment uh, in in Congress, because what and some backstory on what's going on there. That is kind of amazing. But we've also learned a bit of backstory today from James Comey, the uh, director of the FBI, who says that it was a background check breakdown, breakdown in the background check system that allowed Dylan Roth to buy the gun in the first place. James Comey said that uh, he called a press conference. He said this case rips all of our hearts out. But the thought that an error on our part is connected to a gun this person used to slaughter these people is very painful to us. Apparently, as uh, Washington Post reports, the lapse was the result of errors not only by the FBI, but by the Lexington County Prosecutor's Office. A review has been ordered of the procedures that led to the failure. The errors come to light as investigators examined a uh, gun purchase that Roth made two months before the shooting in Charleston. Indeed, he should have never gotten this gun. The background check laws should have blocked him. He had been arrested for possession of narcotics in February. Now, that's a felony charge, but that would not alone disqualify him from buying a gun because I guess you can be charged with a felony, but you're not yet convicted of it. Um, and so apparently you can be charged with a felony and still allowed to buy a gun, uh, at least in uh, South Carolina. Comey said that um, Roth's subsequent admission of the crime, however, should have triggered an automatic rejection of his gun purchase. But that information uh, did not make its way properly into the background check databases. Instead, Comey said the data was not properly entered into the National Instant Criminal Background Check system that some, uh, I think it's 37 states participate in. And an FBI examiner who was assigned to review Roth's purchase never saw his admission to the narcotics charge. Uh, so apparently what happened was uh, Roth went in. Uh, he went into the gun store in West Columbia, South Carolina uh, in April, the, April 11. The dealer submitted the biographical information to the uh, background check system as he was supposed to. And then under the law, the FBI has three business days to deny or approve the purchase before it actually occurs. But if a decision is not made during those three days, then the law permits the dealer to complete the sale. And that's what happened because uh, this uh, it was a veteran FBI examiner, examiner who had uh, routinely handled 15 or more cases per day, according to the uh, uh, Washington Post. She checked his criminal record. She saw the narcotics arrest by the Lexington County Sheriff's Department. She faxed a request for information to the sheriff's office and the county prosecutor. But officials at the sheriff's office told her that they were not handling the case. They referred her instead to the Columbia Police Department. But only a small part of the city of Columbia is actually located in Lexington County with most of the city in neighboring Richland County. So the FBI system didn't account for that jurisdictional split, which meant uh, the examiner contacted the West Columbia Police Department and they reported no record of Roth's arrest. 
Uh, had the examiner been able to see the Columbia police report that Roth had admitted to possession of drugs, then that transaction would have been denied, according to uh, Comey. On April 16, after the three-day waiting period elapsed, uh, with no adverse ruling from the FBI, Roth got his gun, a 45 caliber Glock pistol, and then he, uh, you know the rest, he went on uh, to commit that uh, massacre. So uh, he, Comey said that uh, the examiner is absolutely heartbroken that this happened, that this lapse occurred. Um, and uh, apparently it's not that unusual. However, the FBI handles 8.2 million gun checks and about 228,000 or 2.8% remain as delayed pending for longer than three days, which means they don't get the information for some reason fast enough. So uh, this could have been stopped. Uh, I guess the upside here is that, um, well, there's an opportunity for folks to look at the system and try to fix it. We'll see how well our system works in that regard. Back now to the, uh, to the fallout from all of this, the Confederate flag. I talked to you already about the good news in uh, South Carolina about the flag coming down there. Well, we talked earlier this week about Congress and uh, an attempt in Congress. They added an amendment. Uh, this was a Democratic amendment originally that was added to an interior uh, uh, funding bill for the Interior Department, uh, the Department of Interior. And uh, the bill would have banned, or I'm sorry, the, the amendment would have banned the sale of the Confederate flag at U.S. Parks Department shops. I had no idea they actually sold the Confederate flag at gift shops of the U.S. Parks Department, but apparently they do. And also, uh, they, the flag is allowed to be placed onto grave, the Confederate flag on, onto graves at national cemeteries and so forth. This amendment would have ended that, and it passed easily earlier in the week, no problem whatsoever. Um, and that was that, until the Republicans got closer to passing this bill that would fund the entire Interior Department. Now, usually, used to be in the old days, these funding bills, they were easy, they would go right through. But now you've got Republicans in charge and everything is a problem. So all of a sudden, before this bill was, was going to be passed, the, the bigger bill, the underlying bill, the Interior Department uh, funding bill to keep the uh, Interior Department and, by the way, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, to keep them funded for another year. Uh, all of a sudden, out comes this, uh, this congressman, Ken Calvert, Republican from California, with an amendment to the, uh, to the bill that would undo the previous amendment, that would allow the flags once again to be sold in gift shops and, and placed on uh, uh, graves and so forth. Came out of nowhere. Nobody knew that it was coming. And all of a sudden, it's an amendment to the amendment that basically undoes the amendment. Well, all hell broke loose, and uh, Nancy Pelosi came forward with her own bill, a Democratic uh, majority leader. She She's allowed to bring forward a privileged uh, bill, and she came forward, and she said, well, you know what? In that case, I'm going to uh, put an amendment here that says no flags that contain the uh, Confederate flag can be displayed here in our capital, in the U.S. capital. And that was a reference to the uh, Mississippi flag, which also includes a Confederate flag. John Boehner does not want a debate about the Confederate flag to happen in the U.S. House and what happened thereafter 
was that he pulled the entire bill, pulled the entire funding bill. What will happen now to funding of the Interior Department and the EPA? That remains in limbo. But what was really going on here? And we have some more information on that now. Because now, uh, well, we first learned that Ken Calvert, this Republican from California, came forward and he said, yeah, you know what? I didn't even really want to bring this thing. I was asked by the leadership. I was asked by John Boehner to put this amendment up. Well, what's going on? Why does John Boehner want to kill his own bill? What's this about? Ken Calvert came out and said the amendment offered last night to the Interior and Environment uh, Appropriations Bill was brought to me by leadership at the request of some Southern members of the Republican caucus. He sold out his own caucus here, didn't he? So wait, uh, so he, so the yeah. House leadership to, went to this California congressman right. to put up something on behalf of Southern Of the Southern Republicans, that's right. And now uh, Calvert came out and he told the, the, the story that they were the ones responsible, asked him to do this. He says, looking back, he regrets not conferring with his colleagues on the other side of the aisle, particularly uh, ranking member Betty McCollum, Democrat, uh, who uh, prior that he felt bad that he didn't speak to her about this prior to offering the leadership's amendment and fully explaining its intent, given the strong feelings that members have regarding this important and sensitive issue. Well, now Congressman Betty McCollum has come out, the Democrat uh, from Minnesota. She says, and she was part of the original effort to remove the Confederate flag from the national parks, uh, she suggested on Thursday that all of this was about, that all of this back and forth, that what it was really about was trying to kill this Interior Department bill that uh, Republicans weren't happy with it, that uh, they felt that it did not go far. Here's a, a quote from her. She says that um, that she had heard that, quote, this bill was in trouble because it didn't go far enough in repealing the Endangered Species Act. Yeah, it's a bad bill. Well, it's a bad bill, but this was what the Republicans wanted to put forward. The Democrats were not going to support this bill as it is, so the Republicans need all the votes they can get to pass this bill, which is a bad bill. The Democrats don't like it, and apparently some on the far right of the Republican Party, and you need binoculars to find that far right because, man, they are far to the right. They didn't like it because it didn't repeal the Endangered Species Act because too goddamn much protection of endangered species, apparently. Well, you know, they, also, get, they get in the way of the oil company profits. Yeah, they do. Yeah, apparently they do. It also did not go far enough in eliminating the EPA totally, according to Betty McCollum, uh, which many of their members, you can uh, tell by the amendments that they offered, they wanted. So when the Park Service prohibition of Confederate flags was added to the bill, she says, then our understanding was that they heard from some of their extreme members within their own caucus that they weren't going to help pass the bill unless they can have something out of it. And our understanding is that that is why the amendment was offered, to give them something to bring back home uh, to the South. Hey, we, we couldn't kill all of the endangered species. We couldn't destroy the EPA. But hey, you can still have your Confederate flags in the gift shop. Disgusting. Just disgusting. Says I mean, you. this is important stuff. So, this well, is it's important. Public but, health. But. Yeah, well, 
you and your public health. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have to pass a bill one way or another, uh, you know, to fund the Interior Department, to fund the EPA, or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just put them all out of business entirely. But that's what seems to be going on behind what appeared to be a really bizarre uh, effort in the Congress, a back-and-forth effort uh, concerning the uh, Confederate flag. It really, it's all about killing endangered species. All right, we're going to come back with more story behind the story on a number of issues. Uh, something as Well, we've got some stuff here concerning Donald Trump that I'll try to get to, marriage equality, and an update on uh, the nation's dumbest governor. Yes, I'm talking to you, Maine's Paul LePage. All of that and more straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Right-wingers in uh, Kentucky and elsewhere are not getting what they want. And they're not getting what they need either. But we'll talk about that in a minute. That's in light of the uh, marriage equality decision from the Supreme Court that they just cannot accept. Uh, speaking of people who are not getting what they want and can't accept it, we talked earlier this week uh we're, we're cl clearing off our desk uh, today, actually. We've got a lot of items to get to and, uh, and a lot of backstory uh, on, on a lot of them, things that we have learned uh, since we originally reported on these stories about what's really going on. And, uh, but I, I talked earlier in the week, and you can and you should go back to, my, uh, to the broadcast. I think it was on July 8th, just a couple of days ago, concerning Paul LePage the dumbest governor in the country and maybe in history. And I made the case, uh, it was like the first section, like half an hour, uh, went back and, and described how stupid this governor, Paula Page, actually is. Describing everything with, from his uh, fear of Ebola, his ridiculous fear of Ebola, frankly, uh, to the fact that he believes there's a secret little tiny windmills, a secret little tiny motors inside of windmills that are meant to fool the public into believing the wind power works. Anyway, you got to go back and find that. The point was that uh, he's so stupid and he's have, had this long fight now with um, with the uh, legislators of the main state house 
which is uh, dominated now by Democrats, and he has been vetoing one bill after another after another for the past month that they've been delivering. He vetoes, they send it back, and they override his veto. So now he came up with a really clever idea. When they took a break for the July 4th holiday, he said, I will hang on to these bills, and it will then lead to a pocket veto. If I don't send them back to them, they become vetoed by default, and then they can't override my veto. However, he got his constitution wrong, apparently, because they weren't actually uh, in, um, they hadn't actually adjourned for the year. They're coming back. And therefore, if they're uh, going to come back and he doesn't send a, uh, either sign it or veto it, then the bill becomes law. And he therefore allowed 19 bills to become law, 19 bills that he hated, particularly one that would give uh, uh, money to immigrants seeking asylum. (laughs) And uh, he actually ran on that last year uh, against that bill, and he has now approved it accidentally by his failed pocket veto that he thought he was doing, but apparently he did not. That's right. Yes, it, it it is very very sad. And now, however, now he is he's fighting this. He's saying, no, no, no. I've got the Constitution right. Everyone else has it wrong. And now he is essentially using the Pee Wee Herman defense. I don't, does you remember this clip from the uh, movie? I think Pee Wee's first movie, where he comes out on his new bike and he just completely immediately falls head over heels right in front of a neighbor. I meant to do that. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) the defense that Paula Page is now doing. He says he got it right. He meant to do that. It wasn't an accident vetoing uh, or failing to veto those 19 bills. And not only was it not an accident, he is now holding on to 51 more bills to prove his point. Democrats, of course, are delighted because all of those bills, those 51 bills, will become law if he fails to veto them. I meant to do that. Exactly right. That's what he's saying. And so now what's happening? We've got a constitutional crisis in Maine. Paul LePage says he will go to court if necessary to fight uh, to fight this and uh, tell everyone else that they've got it wrong and that he's got it right when it comes to the Maine Constitution. Oh, boy. Oh, what fun. Yeah. And uh, I guess it'll be spending a whole bunch of state money to do it because this guy who claims he's a conservative like so many other conservatives isn't really conservative at all. He doesn't give a damn about spending state money unnecessarily. All right. That's your little update out of Maine. And now, as promised, some uh, some Trump momentum for you. Yes. It continues. And we were the first ones, I think, in this country. I know we weren't, but I'm going to claim that we were the first ones in this country to tell you that Donald Trump running for the uh, presidential nomination on the Republican side was not a joke that, in fact, he is touching a chord with Republican voters, has a very good chance of doing very well. And everyone scoffed and laughed at the time that I said that. But I think I've been uh, proven right ever since because Trump momentum is not stopping. We've got a couple of new polls this week, one showing that Trump now leads the GOP field in North Carolina. Previously, uh, polls had showed him uh, in second place in New Hampshire, right behind Jeb Bush, in second place in Iowa, right behind Scott Walker. Now they show him leading in North Carolina. 
They also show him leading in a new national poll. According to uh, an uh, economist YouGov poll this week, Trump leads the GOP PAC nationally with 15 percent of registered Republicans vote uh, Republican voters calling the billionaire reality TV star their first choice, their first choice candidate for 2016. Another 12 percent said Trump was their second choice. Florida Governor Jeb Bush and Senator Rand Paul were four points behind Trump in that same poll with 11 percent each. Then uh, Governor Scott Walker, Marco Rubio and Mike Huckabee tied in third place with nine points each. But uh, Donald Trump is dominating the Republican primary and they are freaking out. The Republican establishment is freaking out about it. Of course, you remember uh, Trump's comments about immigrants on his first day out, specifically at the time Mexican immigrants, that they were all criminals and rapists. And of course, Trump, the great businessman, has lost nothing but business ever since. Uh, It was reported a day or two ago by Washington Post that Reince Priebus, the head of the Republican Party, called Trump, had an hour-long conversation asking him, hey, do you mind toning it down on this immigration thing? Because that was the one thing after the 2012 election that where we got thumped, where we realized, hey, we got to stop beating up on immigrants. So do you mind just taking it easy? Well, Trump denies that that ever happened at all. He says that uh, instead, Reince Priebus called to congratulate him. He, he went to, he took to Twitter. Donald Trump did. He said, totally false reporting on my call with Reince Priebus. He called me 10 minutes, said I hit a nerve, doing well, end. Boom. He didn't say boom. He just, that was. That was you. That was, that was me, but that was the subtext of the whole, boom. Uh, doing well. Um, so there's a question. What we don't know is what's really happening behind the scenes and if they are really trying to stop Donald Trump from mouthing off about uh, about immigrants. But Donald Trump ain't gonna. Uh, and uh, that's fine. I, I enjoy it. I think it's hysterical because I think he is actually the, uh, the subconscious, uh, if that's a word, of the Republican Party. I think he's expressing what the current modern-day Republican Party actually believes and actually feels, just without the filter. He's like Fox News without the polite filter, without the fact-checkers. Now, that's saying a lot, because they ain't got no fact-checkers at Fox News. So they <laughs> that's got true. Even fewer facts fact-checkers when it comes to what comes out of uh, uh, Donald Trump's mouth. But he, I be- yeah. He's the raging Republican id. He is the id. And we had uh, Digby, uh, Heather Parton, on uh, to talk about this. Uh, I think it was the very day or the next day that that he announced that he was running for president. And she agreed. This is the Republican id. They won't uh, they may not tell pollsters that they're going to vote for him. But you know what? They're going to vote for him. And the Republican Party has a real problem with that. And but I have no problem with that. I think it's fantastic. And I think they should put forward a candidate who actually expresses what today's Republican Party actually believes. And that candidate is Donald Trump. Now, um, so that's fine. They can vote for him. uh, But uh, my job here as part of the media is to report the facts and to tell you the truth about what's actually going on. Now, what he's saying is very offensive to immigrants 
in not just Mexico, but all pretty much all of South America because he doubled down shortly thereafter. Remember, he said, oh, it's not just Mexico. It's also uh, whatever. He na- rattled yeah. off a bunch Central of America, Central South American yeah. countries. Yeah. Um, well, but the thing is, and that they're all criminals. They're it's criminals. It, come in it. The thing is, he's just wrong about that. And about that point, I'd like to clear things up because I know there's a lot of people who have the misimpression that immigration causes crime, skyrocketing crime rates and so forth. Complete and utter nonsense. And I'll, I'll give you some of those facts in a moment. But here's Donald Trump not backing down about immigration in an interview this week on NBC with Katie Turr, who did a fantastic job, quite frankly. Yes, I'm she did. A mainstream media outlet doing a fantastic job with this interview. Here was the, just one uh, question uh, to Donald Trump about his immigration comments. The murder rate in, in El Paso, Texas, which is right on the border, is the lowest murder rate for any of the oh, okay, big look, cities in the country. Don't try and convince me that there's no crime, that it's wonderful. The people that are being forced in, and these aren't just Mexican people, the people that are being forced, Mexico doesn't want people, they're forcing them into our country, and we're taking them and we're putting them in our jails and our hospitals, and we're paying them money through different sources. It's a disgrace. Don't tell me about safety. So he's not backing down. He won't back down. And by the way, if you get the chance, watch that whole interview. I, if, if, if we could play that whole, if we had time to play the whole interview, I'd it's, play it. It's nuts. It really is nuts. It's hysterical. It is. It's absolutely hysterical, to be frank. Um, so no wonder he's doing so well. He's getting all the TV time. He's sucking all of the oxygen out of the entire race. Uh, for the 2016 Republican nomination. In any event, however, he is wrong. He's absolutely wrong about immigrants and uh, and crime rates. And you can go through study after study after study. So here's just a few points, and credit to Washington Post, Philip Bump over there, going through some of these studies. Foreign-born individual uh, individuals exhibit remarkably low levels of involvement in crime across their life course. According to a study uh, at the University of Massachusetts in 2014, published in Justice Quarterly. Pew Research uh, created a graph. I obviously can't show it to you on the radio, but showing that uh, comparing the crime rates between first and second generation immigrants, first generation immigrants, crime rate, Way, way lower, way lower. Their kids, on the other hand, uh, totally different deal. Much, much higher crime rate than first generation immigrants. And of course, it, th- it makes sense if you think about it. If you're coming in here, if you're sne- if you're either sneaking in or coming in legally, either way, you don't want to get deported. You don't want to commit crimes that are going to get sent get, get you sent out. Um, Pew writes that the crime rate among first-generation immigrants, those who came to this country from somewhere else, is significantly lower than the overall crime rate and that of second-generation uh, second-generation immigrants. Uh, let's see. Northwestern University in 2014 published uh, published a, a study finding that there's essentially no correlation between immigrants and violent crime. None. Zero. Public Policy Institute of California in 2008 found that immigrants are underrepresented in California prisons compared to their representation in the overall population. In fact, U.S.-born adult men are incarcerated at a rate 
over two and a half times greater than that of foreign-born men. Uh, Ruben Rumbaut, uh, University of California, also uh, 2008, published by the Police Foundation, said the data from the census and a wide range of other empirical studies show that for every ethnic group, without exception, incarceration rates among young men are lowest for immigrants, even those who are the least educated. This holds true especially for the Mexicans, Salvadorans, and Guatemalans who make up the bulk of the undocumented population. So uh, the study goes, uh, this article goes on and on showing that Trump is just wrong about immigrants. In fact, the more immigrants there are, if you do the, the math here, the lower the, uh, the crime rate overall. Immigrants actually lower crime in this country. So, Trump, good luck to you. We're enjoying watching you. We hang on your every word in every interview you have. Uh, and we think it's hysterical as the Republican Party is ripping themselves apart, trying to figure out how to blow you up. And they're going to. Uh, but uh, that's fun and that's fine. But when it comes to the facts, it's nice to correct the facts. Okay. Moving on to, uh, well, speaking of facts, uh, Kentucky. Oh, we, Kentucky. We, yeah. <laughs> so from Trump to Kentucky. Yeah. Facts. All right. Switching gears. Yeah. Was that, is that switching gears? Yes, that is switching gears. No, it's not. Crazy right winger Donald Trump. Crazy right wingers in Kentucky. Ah, Pay attention. I see their running theme. Okay. Keep up, Desi Doyen. All right. The, um, <laughs> Uh, we talked uh, again uh, about this a couple of days ago, maybe a week or so ago. The clerks, a couple of uh, clerks, county clerks in Kentucky who are refusing to do their job, who are refusing to follow their oath, which is to um, follow the law and to follow the uh, state laws and the Constitution and grant marriage licenses in the wake of uh, the Supreme Court finding that there is nothing in the U.S. Constitution that allows for the discrimination against gay people who would like to get married. This county clerk, however, he's sticking to his guns. He is not going to issue any marriage licenses. This is, uh, where is he? Casey, his name is actually Casey Davis, and he is actually the county clerk of Casey County. Casey of Casey. Yeah. He's sticking to his guns. He says he will not uh, issue any licenses because it's against his uh, religious beliefs or something like that, which I guess his religious beliefs come first before his, oh, I don't know, his oath of office, his job. Anyway, the Democratic governor down there, Steve Bashir, uh, said, listen, uh, I think you need to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples, or you need to resign. Casey Davis, however, says he will not resign. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, issue marriage license in Casey County. Davis says the governor told him to issue marriage license or resign. I was elected by the people, for the people. The, the democracy should take care of that. If the people that elected me don't like where this has taken me in my job, and the people that elected me should have the opportunity to unelect me. Well, he makes a good point, Desi Doyen. Uh, he was elected. What what role does uh, the governor, Steve Bashir have uh, coming in here and telling him to resign? I mean, he can't fire him. If this guy does not want to uh, keep his oath of office, uh, I guess he's allowed to, right? And then he just faces 
on election uh, the next time he comes up. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a conundrum. I'm not sure what the legal procedure would be in this case. If they can't fire him because he's a duly elected official, how do they do they impeach him? Do they? Is there another another renew, removal for refusing to conduct his duties? It's interesting, but to me, it seems unclear. Now, yeah, he is not doing his duties, and I'm not sure what happens when a county clerk, you know, d- decides because he doesn't agree with the law to not do his duty that he's obligated to do that he swore an oath uh, to do. He came in and you know swore to uphold the laws. Uh, he took a constitutional oath to uphold the United States Constitution. Says uh, uh, Steve Bashir, the governor there, he says, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Constitution now requires the government officials in Kentucky and elsewhere that they must recognize same-sex marriages as valid and allow them to take place. One of Mr. Davis's duties, says Governor Bashir, as county clerk, is to issue marriage licenses. And the Supreme Court now says that the U.S. Constitution requires those licenses to be issued regardless of gender. So, uh, interesting, Mr. Davis's own county attorney has advised him that his oath requires him to do so. So I guess the county attorney, the, I, I'm not sure of the, the process that happens, but it's, it's clear he is in violation of the law. But Casey Davis, the county clerk in Casey County, Kentucky, apparently doesn't recognize the law. Here's what, uh, here's what he says he puts first. Nature's law will supersede any law that man puts on a piece of paper. That's why I've taken the stand that I've taken. I don't believe that this lifestyle agrees with nature's law. I actually respect the stand that they have made. I'm just asking that they respect the stand that I'm trying to make. My oath was taken at the time where our law was recognized that that it was between one man and one woman. Okay, a couple of things. Yeah. Respect the stand that you're trying to make. I respect the stand. You you are welcome to be wrong, and I'm I'm happy to fight for your right to be wrong. I'm not happy to fight for your right to violate the law and to uh, to not do what is required of your job, Mr. Davis. Uh, and to say that nature's law supersedes a piece of paper. Apparently, he's making the claim that because when he became county clerk and when he took his oath. The marriage equality was not required in in Kentucky. But what was and that and that is probably true. But what was required in Kentucky when you took that oath to the Constitution was how our country works. And the fact that, yes, laws are decided or written by the uh, legislature. The Constitution is interpreted by the Supreme Court, all of that, their right to make interpretations. The laws don't stop. They don't stop issuing statutes or uh, interpretations of of the law when you take your oath. You don't have to only protect the laws and the constitutional rights that were determined on the day you took the oath. It's it's a ridiculous, frankly, a ridiculous argument. And he seems to be unclear on that concept. And it's also interesting that it's the same one of the same states where we had desegregation, the fight over segregation, as you mentioned um, earlier in the show, how people in the South fought against desegregation and the whole Confederate flag issue came up in 1961. 
And you didn't find counting, and you did find that the U.S. federal government had to bring in federal troops to integrate the schools mm-hmm. to force public officials to follow the law. And it was also those uh, same uh, counties and those same states that were fighting interracial marriage. They were also basing it on, quote, nature's law. Apparently, nature's law is also God's law in this guy's mind. He's not necessarily the, 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 the smartest guy in the the smartest bulb in the pack, however, because what he's doing. What, so he's he's saying, hey, they could get uh, married online tomorrow. They don't have to get my signature. And he has an idea of how to do that. He says it could be done immediately. Now, that means, of course, he's helping them to get married. Uh, but apparently that's OK, as long as he doesn't have to put his signature on it. I, it, it makes no sense. He wants the governor to convene, and this again underscores these people who say they're conservatives, that they are not conservative. He wants the governor to convene a special session to hash this out and to figure out how to go about this, to figure out maybe we can do marriage licenses online so I don't have to violate the Bible by signing the marriage license. Because you know the Bible says thou shalt not sign a marriage license that thou does not agreest with. Um. But the, Steve Bashir says, no, I'm not going to spend $60,000 a day to convene a special session of the state legislature. $60,000 a day. That's what these so-called conservatives want. They want to spend $60,000 of taxpayer money a day because guess what? They're not really conservatives. They just like to say they're conservatives because conservative has a lovely brand appeal, but they are anything but conservative Otherwise, they wouldn't want to waste $60,000 a day on this nonsense. And otherwise, they would recognize that the Constitution, a conservative reading, finds uh, no such right to discriminate against some people and, uh, and not others. But as I said, uh, Casey Davis, he's, he's not the smartest uh, bulb in the pack. Uh, here's what he thinks about spending $60,000. I don't think $60,000 a day is, is a drop in the bucket compared to what, what the cost could be in the future if we don't stand up for what we believe in today. So he doesn't think $60,000 is a drop in the bucket. I think he shouldn't, shouldn't that be $60,000 is a drop in the bucket compared to what we're going to? Yeah. Yeah. He's not this much. Now, maybe he meant it's, it's not a drop. It's not even a drop in the bucket. That's how tiny $60,000 is. Uh, as opposed to what we will be facing now that uh, the world will soon be ending, thanks to marriage equality. And, of course, he is not alone uh, believing that the world will be ending. The right-wingers continue to go absolutely nuts. And we have, uh, well, I know we're running late here, but let me play just a a minute or two. Do we have this? (laughs) Where is this? Uh, Oh, I've lost it. Uh, This is uh, some woman, Ted Cruz, you remember, he believed... Well, here, here's what he believed on the day that uh, the marriage equality was allowed by the Supreme Court. Today, it's some of the darkest 24 hours in our nation's history. Oh, they're so dark. He is such a drama queen. Drama queen, yes. Well, since then, uh, we've got all kinds of right-wingers going absolutely nuts. They say there's going to be terrorist attacks because of this. That uh, here, here was one of, uh, I like this a lot. This was Tim Brooks of Christian Ministries Church that this is all about forcing even him to have gay sex. Here is the only thing that will satisfy this agenda, and it's very clear, participation. We want you to come out of your house and participate with us. 
And so that goes even beyond the, the <laughs> you have to celebrate with us. Now you have to actually participate Act, with us. Come out and have sex with us. <laughs> have to participate. They're going to force participation. And, Rick, that's what we're seeing around the country. Yes. Really? Yes. People we're participating in the streets? Well, yeah, they're forcing them to participate. Wow. Force them to have sex with us. Uh, thunderstorms. Fox is not just the far right wingers. This is Fox News. Fox News pundit uh, Todd Starnes blamed the thunderstorms that hit uh, Washington D.C. last week. Uh, bad storms. He blamed it on uh, marriage equality, food shortages, uh, jailing. Uh, pastors will soon be jailed. Pastors who refuse to perform gay marriages should prepare for hate crimes charges, says Todd Stearns of Fox News. Uh, the media will be censored as well. Glenn Beck will be thrown off the air. Here's what uh, Glenn Beck uh, said as soon as this happened in the Supreme Court. He says, prepare for him to be removed from the airwaves because he disagrees with marriage equality. This changes everything that your kids are now taught in school. This could mean the end of radio broadcasts like mine. It's the I, am on an, I am on now public airwaves regulated by the federal government if i say or anybody on this show says therefore traditional marriage which i am in my personal life i don't believe the government has any place in it that now puts this radio broadcast in jeopardy no it doesn't you're making that up because we are on federally regulated airwaves yes you are on the public airwaves and your stations, the stations that you're on, must perform in the public interest. They uh, are not, however, allowed to tell you what to say. They are not allowed to say uh, to violate your First Amendment rights. If you don't agree with marriage equality, you may say so. And when you say federally regulated, uh, the FCC hasn't done a damn thing to regulate anything or anybody in decades over our public airwaves. And that's exactly the problem. And that's exactly why psychos like you, Glenn Beck, even though your ratings are in the toilet, that's exactly why psychos like you are allowed to be on our public airwaves across this nation, because you've got corporate interests Corporate interests who love what you are saying. And those corporations have taken over our public airwaves and taken them away from we, the people. Don't worry, Glenn. You're fine. Although you might be forced to have sex with gay people. Brad Friedman, this is your Bradcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the broadcast. Oh, it is getting hot. Uh, <laughs> Desi Doyen, <clears throat> got a complaint about the Green News report? Yeah. This is from a, uh, a, a a general manager of a radio station that I won't identify, but was considering running our Green News report, which you you and I uh, guest host and nationally syndicate uh, twice uh, twice a week. This uh, this GM says, I run a small town community public station. I've been adding Pacifica radio content. Your Green News report caught my ear. However, the first show I aired offended one of our programming sponsors, and I thought I would share it. I didn't know they had programming sponsors on community radio, but okay. During your July 2nd show, you played clips of 
Republican lawmakers stating India and China would never take place in climate talks. You went into the bashing of them and Fox News. While I totally agree with your commentary, public radio in a small town has to serve all opinions. Our sponsor and myself agreed that while correct, your commentary came across as vicious and ridiculing, but much, uh, much like something you would hear from Fox News. Just a suggestion to make your points, but take the higher ground and plant the seeds of thought and change rather than bashing them in the face and chasing listeners away. I will sample some future shows to see if they will be appropriate for our community as airing something that comes across as mean-spirited makes us look bad, too. Thanks, and I hope I haven't offended you. Best regards. Well, he hasn't offended me, but I had to go back and hear what it was that I said. And here was the clip that he was talking about from our Green News Report July 2nd. Brazil, China, and several other countries submitted official pledges to cut their emissions. And UN officials now say the flood of country commitments now covers 50% of global emissions. We're halfway there to an international climate treaty in December. That, even though Republicans have spent years telling me that China would never lower its emissions. China, India, all these countries that are still growing, and they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. The experts agree that a climate policy that does not include massive energy consumers like China and India is essentially meaningless. We can't do it alone as one nation. It's only us doing it. Nobody else is doing this. I don't think we can control the emissions from China and India, nor do they have any desire to control it. If we have statements such as we do have from the leaders in China and India in other countries saying under no circumstances are they going to accept any kind of mandatory reduction. What are we doing here? I'm starting to think that they and Fox News might be wrong. So that was it. And then we got out of the uh, out of the Green News report. So that was the vicious attack. That was vicious and ridiculing. And uh, he says, well, I totally agree with your commentary. Public radio in a small town has to serve all opinions. Now, you, you, in your report, you, you said that China had, was making commitments to cut emissions, and then I played Republicans saying China would never cut, would never make uh, promises to cut emissions. They were wrong. They were wrong. Fox News was wrong. So what uh, opinions do we have to serve? The opinions of people who are wrong? Well, apparently it's Fox News making a vicious attack on itself because all we did was play what they said. Yeah. And pointed out that it's wrong. And all you did was say, well, I think they're wrong. And and they are. So I'm not sure what the vicious attack part is, but vicious and ridiculing. Now, don't get me wrong. That's what we do on the Green News Report. Uh, We report the news. We say right at the top, we report six minutes of Green News uh, analysis and snarky comment. And that's what we did. We reported the news. You reported the news that China made the commitment. We did the analysis of showing how Republicans were wrong. I said so. I was a little bit snarky. Uh, but you know what? I've been much more vicious, much more ridiculing in the few, in the uh, in the in past, past than, yes. than he picked out. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure what he was thinking, but I'll tell you this. Uh, just because you have an opinion in a small town on public radio, if your opinion is wrong, we are not here to uh, to serve it. We are here to correct it. We are here to tell you what the, the facts the are. real story and to educate the electorate. That's what the public airwaves are for, in my opinion, no matter what Glenn Beck has to say about it. My thanks today to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and to you, our listeners and our affiliates, even those trying us out. We're glad to have you here. Thanks uh, for spending some of your day with us. If you missed any portion of our show this week, 
You can check them all out at bradblog.com and over at iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. Until we meet again, you can find me at Brad at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Every-